Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros, of course. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, and Nando is actually out. Um, he's in his ancestral homeland of Spain right now. <laughs> and Nando. so we we got a great, great guest in his stead. Uh, my man, Ethan Sherwood Strauss of the House of Strauss Substack, formerly of The Athletic, formerly of ESPN, formerly of Yelp, formerly of the NBA. <laughs> did I get all of your jobs down, bro? <laughs> you got, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but I was already going down memory lane about a friend I had when I was living in New York who was half from Spain and half from Staten Island, which just produced the, oh, uh, the most hilarious <laughs> results of just the greasiest dude, the most disgusting dude who would say the most disgusting things, wearing a gold chain, belt, up high shirt tucked, leather jacket and then that fancy lispy spanish and that was his other his other self you know or <laughs> with him and he was just a man about town you know like i, I don't even want to get into all the stuff but yeah let's go down memory lane of uh of spain and new york and everything else was you bring it out of me that is fantastic. And, you know, I did want to get you on here to talk some NBA stuff, but it would be boring to talk about how the Celtics are dealing with KD, whether they should switch everything or they should shade defenses towards him or they should just outright hard double or we don't. That's boring. We don't give a fuck mm -hmm. about that. I wanted to talk about a piece that you wrote for your Substack about Mark Cuban and just his general I guess you could say uh, public facing persona um, yeah. and how we've sort of squared that in the last 20 years of his, you know, life in the public eye as Dallas Mavericks, uh, um, a sole owner, actually, yeah. and just, you know, famous rich guy. Right. Um, yeah. And so I, I just what, what made you want to write about Cuban? Man, I don't even know why I do what I do. I always feel like the Joker where there's no scheme. I just do. You know, I don't, there's no plan. Um, I I just always want to talk about it because there's such an odd organization. And also I just felt sometimes I like going behind the scenes of something. And with Cuban, he is such a businessman persona. And it's funny because he goes after Trump a lot, but it's hard not to see the parallels. They've got a lot in common in that both billionaires and both kind of frauds uh, and both a lot of uh, and both guys where a lot of the persona is based on a TV show. Most people who know of Mark Cuban, I believe, know of him uh, from Shark Tank. Yeah, just yep. like Trump and The Apprentice. That was big for him mm -hmm. that he was firing people and looking like a CEO. To, to be clear, Mark Cuban knows more about business than I know. I couldn't have made a billion dollars, but it seems like. Beyond those two wonder strikes that he had back at the uh, the turn of the millennium, one was selling broadcast.com, uh, and it immediately went belly up, and it's considered one of the- Can I ask you, Ethan, because I, I, I'm not a journalist and I have no integrity um, <laughs> or intellectual rigor, uh, what the fuck was broadcast.com? I've never looked into this. I don't, like, why did Yahoo think this was something they wanted to- Like, what was it? I mean, I don't, I don't completely know either. The charitable interpretation is maybe it was ahead of its time. Um, it had something okay. to do with my vague recollection of Cuban as an Indiana Hoops fan wanting to be able to listen to the games on the internet. But mm. I would be lying. I would be over my skis if I tried to explain exactly what went wrong there. My general takeaway is that he sold the thing, and then the thing was worth nothing after he sold it. it was just, that was it. 
And then he made another great decision. He, he had a great buy low of the Wobegon mm -hmm. Mavericks. So credit to him. He got but, that for like a hundred something million, didn't he? I mean, it was a good buy whenever he got it. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's funny because it sounds so stupid to criticize because his net worth uh, based on reports has not really gone up significantly since then. So it sounds like such a weird criticism that, Hey, you only, you know, made an extra billion or so in the last 20 years. But for a guy like that, who's always presenting himself as yeah. Mr. Businessman in a market mm -hmm. where if you really have money, you can make a, a whole lot of it. And there've been a whole lot of billionaires made. I think a lot of people in the business world, similar to Trump, Go, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of a fugazi. Kind of, where's the beef right here? Where, where are the results? And most recently, he's just got involved in a lot of uh, crypto, uh, crypto uh, disasters of trying to God. tell, hey, I'm, I'm involved in this. This is the new wave. And then I think he got involved in a, in, in a scam of some kind. I'm forgetting. I'm trying not to get sued, so I'm being a little too careful while <laughs> yeah, talking contemporaneously. Plus, I've noticed that people on podcasts with you can get aggregated. Uh, is what I've noticed. <laughs> Perhaps to their detriment well, when we're well, getting well, loosey goosey and joking around. So, first yeah, of all, I, that, that's on the Ringers podcast network. On this uh, little thing we do here at Count the Dings and Whoa okay. Bros, it's a safe space, Ethan. I don't think the aggregators at NBA Central um, will be paying much attention well, to this I, one. I just don't want to come off like I'm Mr. Knows Business. All I'm saying True. is people I talk to who know business say, kind of a fugazi, kind of full of shit, kind of has his chest puffed out, always on the next wave, sort of obsessed with youth and being young. So he's saying we need to TikTokize the NBA. He used yeah. that verb, you know, maybe if you like Luca, you know, through machine learning, you'll see, <laughs> you know, everything Luca's doing. And maybe if you like Steph, it will take, like, I don't know, man. Like, how about just like put a game, put a game on and have people watch a game. He's always, he's always on that next wave. And it seems with him, there's a pattern of whatever next wave he's, flaunting not working out such as when he dismantled his championship team and said it was all because the new cba brought in a new world order and everything else and then a few years later he said whoops shouldn't have done that he has a lot of uh whoops shouldn't have done that uh including the uh scandals which maybe i can't be so glib and and joking about no, and, you know, I think it's important to sort of contextualize Cuban, um, even in his role as NBA owner, right? Like, I remember when he first came around and he was sitting on the baseline and he's yelling at refs and, you know, he put in these brand new facilities and, like, he was seen as this younger, more cutting-edge guy sort of exploiting the market inefficiencies yeah. of, like, look, we can't pay guys um, X, Y, and Z, but we can get a way nicer plane. We mm -hmm. can pay for these things on the margins. We can make players' lives better. Like, he was seen as this guy who was just on the cutting edge on what a new age, modern, oh, yeah sports franchise should be okay so to answer your question i finally got why was i interested just because i looked at him as so archetypal he is the nouveau riche new money nba owner in the yes. first one the changing of the guard from mom and pop shop uh jerry, from jerry bus yes. to those freaking dudes in philadelphia exactly. right um, exactly um like it's it, to you know mark lazary and all of those people in milwaukee milwaukee has like four owners and like they do like a take your turn to own it. Like they have this weird Stanley Cup. Yeah, ownership structure. Yeah, it's like a, a hockey line. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's just you know he is part of that you know venture capital hedge fund private equity etc. He was the you know basically patient zero yeah. of those guys coming into the NBA. Yeah, he was a new thing. And I remember back then it was this weirdly big deal. He was suddenly famous because here's this guy, this owner. We we envisioned them like the Monopoly man, but he's wearing a T-shirt. He's in flip-flops and he's yelling at the refs and mm -hmm. he's in the news and he's getting fined by David Stern. He was this new guy and he's had this staying power. He is the second most famous owner behind Michael Jordan, obviously, who is not famous. I don't even know if most people know Michael Jordan owns a team. For the, so. Yeah, right, for the Charlotte Hornets. He's and, not famous. As, as far as you know, famous for being an owner, he's like the closest thing the NBA has to uh, to a Jerry Jones, who's also in that city. And there's something about that city. I'm I'm drawn to that city, Was that crazy city Dallas, of Dallas. Yeah, it's a it's a weird place. Uh, the Metroplex. Um, yeah, just it's it, even in Texas. I feel like Texans even have 
Um, and a, like that opinion of like that is even for Texans, we acknowledge yeah. that that area of our state is a strange place. Well, I don't. Maybe I shouldn't drop his name. I don't know if he wanted or not. Uh, but a friend of mine who's a beat writer, um, mm-hmm. and is traveling around, uh, whose name rhymes with um, Anthony uh, Zader. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, okay. it's Anthony Slater. There's no reason not to, to tell the story, but he was saying, dude, I was in Dallas and I was on the Katy Trail, uh, which is apparently a trail down there that's kind of the main drag. And I saw the craziest thing. I saw Troy Aikman shirtless and he's jacked wearing a gold <laughs> chain with his initials on the chain with a big jug of water. And he's just schmoozing, talking to the ladies and living it up. And I thought, that's Dallas right there. That's Dallas right there. <laughs> Something yeah, about and, that city. And 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 Cuban comes right out of that, right? Um, he's not native to Dallas, but he was like, screw it. Like, they're gonna let yeah. me buy an NBA team. I have no problem going to Texas and, and taking it there. And like you said, he starts making waves and he starts, you know, basically getting a lot of positive press, you know. Um, and Listeners to this show, Ethan, you know me well enough. Like, honestly, whenever people in our profession start extolling the mm-hmm. virtues of the executives, like now, like before I was very susceptible to it. Like, oh, these guys must be smart. Genie Bus must be a genius <laughs> basketball executive to borrow a random person who we made into a freaking genius a few years ago because a brother was such a bumbling idiot by um, comparison. Uh, You know, I used to eat that stuff up. Now, whenever I see it, I'm just like, and I think it it all started with Hinky for me, but you're right. Cuban was like the first of his kind because he would give media guys his phone number. He was famously like, yo, Email Mark Cuban, he'll hit you back type of thing. And he cultivated this persona and this reputation amongst the people, you know, the fucking blue check aristocracy. Yeah, and and I I tend to try to look at these things from the perspective of anybody successful usually has something going for them, something that they're good at. I don't think Cuban is an exception to that at all. There are things he has done to put himself in this position, that accessibility – going on tv being good at tv i think people like to watch him doing all these cameos where he's on entourage and he's in billions and he's extended his brand and the funny thing is was that the other owners are jealous of him they have Mm -hmm. more money than he does often and they have more victories but they would rather be mark cuban in many instances than own a team that has won more championships or be a guy that has more money because Cuban has gotten this ineffable thing, this fame and this persona that they can't have and they can't replicate. So he he's accomplished something clearly. I wouldn't scoff it at all, even if I would just remind people that, hey, this thing he recommended kind of didn't work out. That thing he recommended kind of didn't work out. Uh, he didn't like the purchase of YouTube by Google and he warned against it, which was obviously a great decision by that company. Uh, Killer decision. (laughs) So His track record over the last 20 years, business wise, not the greatest. And yet the fame has expanded again, a little bit similar to the, uh, to old DT. Do you identify as crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone, everywhere, should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market, and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com B-O-M-M. Sign up at coinbase.com slash B-O-M-M for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offers for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash B-O-M-M. 
I mean, I feel like that says everything you need to know about the culture right now. Not just the culture of, like, the culture industry, but just, like, all you got to do is be associated with money and um, the people of this country will venerate you. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, my politics and I would like for that to be the opposite, <laughs> but it's not, it's not. People will like you and assume that you are competent, assume that you were smart, assume that you have all of these wonderful qualities about yourself just because you've achieved some level well, of if you, seem, I, if you seem cool. I mean, I have a theory on this. Mm. People, mm. you know, they'll let you rule over them like some old nobleman. If you project some sort of confidence or some sort of brashness, if you live life the way they would imagine they would live life, the way people said that Donald Trump was a poor person's idea of a rich person and there was appeal to that. Mark Cuban, if you're a regular person, you go, oh, man, that's what I would do if I had money. I would buy my favorite team. I would yell at the refs. That's cool. I don't think people want to be ruled over by a dweeb like Bill Gates. I don't think that's mm. cool for them. Or Mark Zuckerberg, somebody who just right. oh. he is so fucking unlikable. Oh my god, yeah. Jesus I mean, Christ! He's got the most punchable face since I don't even know Adolf Hitler. I I, I really don't know. Like honestly, well, like I need two guys, and we're gonna leave things. it vague as to which guy you meant. You know, to guard against any <laughs> retribution. <laughs> so here's the thing about Cuban too that I thought you beautifully got into in your piece is that like the Mavericks are a mess. Yeah. Like a complete and utter mess. And one of the, you know, one of the epiphanies that I've had in the last few years also related to becoming friends with you guys and Amin and et cetera is Amin's explanation that like, yo, ownership is the most important variable in the success yeah. of a professional franchise. So it's not like they've been an abject failure, but they've been like very dysfunctional, like extremely dysfunctional, yeah. um, especially since that championship was won in 2011. And all of that, all of it flows from the top because the owner is at the end of the day, he's the one with the ultimate hiring and firing power. He's the one who, de who decides who gets to interview for the job? Who gets to even come in, right, and and look for the job? Much less hire it. All of that stuff. Like this, it's a dictatorship. Like th there's times where he can be swayed by different people, different pockets of the organization on things. But ultimately, it comes down to what Cuban wants. And so when the organization is both basically stinking it up on the court and then in their freaking basically workplace culture, it's a tire fire uh i don't see how this hasn't reflected more poorly on mark, mark cuban yeah you have to wonder if dirk was um such a solidifying presence and allowed mm. it to work even with cubans let's say impulsiveness i think impulsiveness is is something you hear a lot when you ask people who work there is that he's he's very impulsive he's very hands-on people don't hate him He's not he's not a malicious guy, right. but there is narcissism there and there's a distractedness and it seems like there's a revolving door. Well, you know, I was about to say there's a revolving door. That's not even true because they they had Carlisle forever. They had Donnie Nelson forever, forever. but it did turn into this complete weird mess where it wasn't clear who is in charge of what. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it culminated in quite the blow up and you know now is in this is current lawsuit that maybe we can mention where i mean i'm it's it just a very strange circumstance can you just just as quick quickly can you explain to the people what's happening with this lawsuit by former um team president don nelson uh jr yeah donnie nelson um who that was another weird thing is that don nelson sued cuban at one point Don Nelson used to be the coach. Then yeah. Cuban hires Donnie. A lot of people say that was some weird rich guy. Fuck you. I, you know, your son works for me now type of thing. So That's just weird. what I hear. That's just what I hear. Um, people, I mean, hey, man, billionaires, they're, they're a strange, strange breed of character. So Donnie Nelson uh, is suing and uh, involved in, in the documents is that his nephew, he alleges that Jason Luton, who's Cuban's right hand man, uh, came on to 
uh, Donnie Nelson's nephew in what was supposed to be uh, a work setting or an interview for a job, as I recollect it. And then as retaliation, Donnie was frozen out. And the crazy thing about it um, in in that, you know, in those documents that allege it from the Donnie Nelson side is that. Donnie Nelson was offered a contract of $60 million. Now, when I read that before reading the response from Cubans people, I thought they're going to say, no, no way like that. You know, that didn't happen. We never offered that. Six, six, even somebody as senior as Don Donnie Nelson Jr. would be in that organization. Um, 66, $6.6 million guaranteed over the course of 10 years is yeah, an exorbitant contract and he had been frozen out at that time he'd been marginalized the mavericks haven't won a playoff series since their championship so when i saw that i thought yeah you know cubans people are gonna say no way but in their responding document they said that they did it and i was just <laughs> oh my god look i don't want to get sued myself yeah. I don't want to get sued myself, but if one guy is alleging uh that you know is effectively presenting the unfired gun of having some extortive power over you and then you yourself reveal that you kind of hurriedly offered him 60 million dollars before you fired him i mean i'm going to assume yeah. that there are some skeletons and he knows about them that is a very strange detail from that particular mess we will see how it gets resolved I mean, yeah. and, and, and again like and for people who care about this sort of thing and this is public information we're not betraying any confidences um somebody talked shit about Haralabob Volgaris who was you know he was part of the Don Nelson Jr. Donnie Nelson whatever um situation and so that in so much as he was seen as usurping that guy's authority and he had the ear of Mark Cuban, which then got Donnie Nelson pissed off. Anyway, somebody well, tweeted him and said, shut up. Uh, your star player hates, hated you. We don't want to hear your basketball takes. Shut the fuck up. He's not on at, in the organization anymore. And he tweeted back a quite interesting clapback where he said, he said that, uh, you know, um, the, it was written by a, a, a narcissist and with, and the, the information was being fed by said narcissist. Full disclosure, I used to work with Tim Cato. I think he's a nice guy. I don't have any problems with Tim. I don't know. I don't know that he's a narcissist. Um, he's, he was always nice to me um, when I worked over there. Uh, but um, and then he said he implied that Donnie Don Donnie Nelson took part in a honeypot operation, yeah. allegedly sending his kin in there to seduce the guy to out him and his. I mean his, the. Uh, all up. This is one of these reasons why when I looked at the the uh, the lawsuit, I didn't immediately just say one side was right or wrong because no, I heard you can't. I, I heard enough about how Donnie Nelson is a fairly sharp elbowed mm -hmm. Machiavellian character, and hey, it's his family. Maybe everything which is, is nice, which is which which is a nice way Ethan is saying that he's a shady dude. He has I mean, a reputation yeah. for being shady. Like basically how he was able to stay in with the Mavericks that long. It's not that he was some genius level basketball mind. It's that he just knew how to wheel and deal. He yeah. knew the right palms degrees. He knew when to grease them. He was just a wheeler and a dealer in a way that allowed for him to stay in that place. Where again, like he got fired last year. They haven't won a playoff series since they won the championship in 2011. And he yes. just got fired. Yes. And the timeline, you know, from what I've heard, that article in The Athletic triggered the firing because that article comes out. There are all these shots at Haralabob, uh, Haralabos, call him Haralabob based on Twitter. And everybody assumed the shots came from Donnie Nelson. I don't know specifically who said what, but that was the assumption. So Donnie <sighs> Nelson gets fired. Meanwhile, I mean, people in the NBA know Who's running the Mavericks? It's it's Mark Cuban, hands on. It's not Bob. Mm -hmm. It's not Donnie. It's Mark Cuban, as perhaps to their detriment, a very uh, hands on owner. But yeah, just a, a mess of that situation. Um, and again, you don't want to you don't want to assume too much of the of the with these things because you mentioned Donnie Nelson. That guy had staying power. Perhaps a shady dude. There are a lot of guys in the NBA where their skill is sticking around. Sticking around. And it, and it's quite a skill. 
it, it doesn't necessarily correlate to any Steve Mills game. comes to mind. Mm, Steve yeah. Mills with the Knicks, where it's just like, why is he still employed? He lost the job where he's in charge, but he still gets to be a rep. Like, what? Like, he's just always there. Like, what is happening here? Um, yeah. th There's a few guys in the NBA like that. And we bring up the Don Nelson uh, lawsuit because, again, this is all happening under Cuban's watch in an organization where he sets the culture. Of course, there and was the, the – And the culture is party all the time. Again, and this goes back mm -hmm. to the – Hey, this is what I would do. It's like people are thinking, hey, if I was, this is what I would do. I'd be partying with, with Chandler Parsons and mm -hmm. doing shots at 2 a.m. in the nightclub with my players. You know, that's what I would do. But it's hard to do that and have a culture that's, uh, I guess, functional. You know, you need to, I mean, this is a weird perspective, Waz, but I almost feel like, uh, as Kevin Durant once said to me, grow up, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. what, you're you're pushing 60, you know, like you gotta, you gotta grow up and be a boring NBA owner, Mark. And, and, and again, Ethan, like, like you brought up some extremely thoughtful points. I thought in your piece, um, specifically around the me too stuff where everybody basically got tarred and feathered in all of the major industries, you name it. Um, people got, just destroyed and exposed for terrible, awful behavior around women. Um, it finally got to the NBA and specifically to the Mavericks. Um, uh, what's what's the executive's name? The black dude, Mesery. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's. I forget his name. He's it's the one. He's the one who ultimately. Now. He's people the one who. He was gonna, by the way, it's bad. I can't remember because people thought that dude was going to be the next NBA commissioner. That was uh, that was that's quite crazy. Quite the, uh, quite the fall. That's insane. But again, um, the, he ends up taking the fall for it. Mark Cuban, of course, brings in a black woman. Whenever somebody's in trouble, whenever they put a black woman in charge, you know the situation is completely dire and fucked up, right? So they hire, they hire a black woman, put a black face on this thing. Everything is fixed up. Um, we don't have race problems. We don't have sexual assault problems. None of that. And Cuban, of course, his reputation is intact. Somehow he he beats this. His team stinks. It's fine, even though he's the one pulling all the strings. Um, his organization is shown to be abusing women, sexual misconduct with um, women employees, uh, potential male employees. Like this shit runs the gamut. Yeah. usury is the, uh, okay, is the name you know. I should have remembered. Yes. Usury. You there saying. you go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So Cuban just continues to be Teflon and related to, um, the me too thing. I just want to tell you just a quick thing that, that I was like, yeah, Ethan, you know, you did a great job, but you're getting a, you're getting an A, but this is your one mark when you were surprised that the players weren't caught up in this. I was like, yeah, these chicks are older and less hot. The players might not be interested. Like, that's just all. That's all I, I was like, if this was the dance team, the cheerleaders and all of that, I'd be like, hold on. Players well, never had nothing going on, but like the people that this guy would have been interfacing with yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis, just they don't really fit the physical profile of what NBA players tend to go for. It, it is so weird because people don't even conceptualize what the office looks looks like. I remember the old <laughs> Warriors practice facility. Um, you open the doors, they've got the kind of see-through glass of where the gym is, and it's where players are working out. And uh, you don't you don't go in there. You're not allowed in there. I think I was. I was invited to just go through those doors once and it was to follow Warriors co-owner Peter Goober to interview him for the book I wrote. And, uh, you know, I, I followed him through it and you go through that gym and then all of a sudden it's cubicles and it's like this little kind of office yeah. space world behind the gym. Yeah. And so to what you're what saying, yeah, it might have been totally compartmentalized where it was office world. But in the NBA, there are a lot of circumstances where dancers uh get involved with players and then it goes oh, yeah. bad in some way and they've got to deal with it oh, and yeah. somehow they make it all oh, yeah. they make it all go away somehow and you know when me too hit <laughs> it almost seemed like it correlated most as far as punishments with the institutions that were most sensitive to that as opposed to maybe mm -hmm. the institutions with the most problems i just don't believe that NPR, which had mass purges of various personalities, had more uh, misogyny and sexual harassment going on than, let's say, the the NFL is just I'm I'm supposing putting out there.
Yeah, but you see, the thing is, I think that the problem is that, one, the players, it's twofold for me. The players are actually people who are, des like, desired outside of the context of that workplace, um, so, which is to say, like, they get chicks, right? Just, like, yeah. in, in the normal context. Um, that's one. And two... Your relationship with a player will not directly help your career advancement in the marketing department. It yeah. does, like you're not going to get a better, you're not going to become VP of sales because, you know, because you fucked uh I don't know Rick Brunson. Like it that's this that it like so those relationships become less fucked up and problematic honestly than some of these other relationships we're talking about in different places which again is not to say not to defend the players i just think the circumstances don't allow for yeah. it to get as messy I'm, as harvey weinstein straight up just telling a chick i will put you in a movie with matt damon if you suck yeah. my dick well and then somewhat related to that is just i think yeah we were repulsed when uh the unattractive like uh like Harvey yeah. Weinstein. I mean, I don't even know. It's a difficult thing to broach, but I am reminded of the SNL sexual harassment skit where it's one of those black and white uh PSA type messages on sexual harassment. And it's I think Tom Brady and Fred Armisen, if I remember right. And the joke of it is that Fred Armisen <laughs> is uh committing the misdeeds by doing everything Tom Brady's doing. Uh that exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. Like we know 100%. what we're talking about here. We know what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. We've avoided aggregation, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, don't I don't give a shit. I can't get foot. I'm gonna do fire myself. Like, I don't know. <laughs> No, uh, but but no, but to, but to your point again, with Cuban and just how he operates, it's just it's just kind of hilarious that he continues to have this public, this so front facing posture with this company, with the league, with his team individually, and just as one of America's famous business rich guys mm -hmm. um and and the incompetence just it's everywhere if anybody's looking for it yeah i almost want to look up mark cuban and uh crypto scam uh as a google search um because i just know yeah, something it, called titan yeah titan didn't go well yeah by the titan way crypto bros i don't have a beef with you my thing about crypto when it was first presented to me as an idea um, I actually went to a Bitcoin like sort of meet and greet thing in 2014. Yeah. And they gave a great presentation, had refreshments. And basically what they were saying, you can move money secretly. Mm. I was like, that is <laughs> an incredible technology that I don't know how Uncle Sam could could abide by this. <laughs> like that, that's just it, like that's why I was just like, this shit can't possibly last. This is yeah, this goes against everything that our society is founded upon. Basically, like the ability <laughs> to extract. Dude, yeah, go ahead, dude. Because like I, I'm, I'm revisiting it. I do this thing where I write about something I forget a little. You know, you're asking me, yeah. and I've already forgotten a lot of the details I wrote about. But I'm reading this Yahoo article on Cuban getting scammed, uh, scammed on crypto, and just it's so funny. His conclusion from the episode, according to the report is that investing in a cryptocurrency that doesn't have a reason for existing is wrong. <laughs> Back when the token crashed, <laughs> Cuban told Bloomberg he was rugged, a reference to a crypto scam called a rug pull, but added that it was his fault for being lazy. I just... <laughs> just Again, even... <laughs> when, when, investing in something that doesn't have a reason to exist. Like, listen, Ethan, Ethan, that's, a, that's the entire point of what I was saying. Like at first, Bitcoin absolutely did have a reason to exist. You could move yeah. money secretly. Silk Road, all of that shit. People bought all kinds of drugs from China, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, why, before, people, listen to me. The feds have their hooks in this. They will catch you. <laughs> they know where your money's going at all times. This shit is no longer... An anonymous way to move money around. Listen to me clearly. It no longer serves that function. It's just, now it's just straight up just an asset, right? Like you're yeah. taking a bet, like I'm buying it at this, and hopefully one day I'll be able to sell it at X. That's it. And you know, the idea that like, you know, LeBron is selling you crypto um during the Super Bowl is just 
uh, just freaking laughable. Um, but yeah, Mark Mark Cuban is is a joke, and um, whatever we can move on from that. I I want to talk to you about another thing related to owners and something that you were super in tune with. How is this Joe Sai shit gonna keep going? Oh man, it's, it's a crazy. This feels crazy. this feels like it it can't continue the way it is. It's the type of thing that when people have wild conspiracy theories about the global elite and they'll reference Jeffrey Epstein, you, you wonder because it's this guy, he's like a man from nowhere almost, where he's from Taiwan, but he's uh, Chinese, but kind of maybe there's Canadian, and uh, he mm -hmm. lived in my neighborhood uh, where I'm from in San Diego mm -hmm. and has a house there, but he's also a New Yorker and owns these teams and, and runs these teams and is involved and invested in all these global foundations but is maybe down with the ccp who disappeared okay. his business partner jack mott and it's just what the okay. hell i mean prokhorov he, he's shadier than prokhorov who couldn't have been shady you, you thought they couldn't have outdone it at the nets let's let's get one thing clear here and i think our listeners understand this unlike america where our government officials and government basically exists at the behest of our overlords in the business world that equation is flipped in places yeah. like russia and china so therefore if alibaba if you're the ceo of alibaba you're you're not your own boss you work no. for the chinese communist party period full stop He's an yeah. agent of the Chinese Communist Party. There's no, there's no two businesses don't get to operate that way in China. If yeah. you work for Alibaba, if you're their CEO, you are a sock puppet for the Chinese government. And I'm not being boogeyman or whatever the case may no. be, but that's what it is. All, all this stuff is out in the open. And I don't even look at it with this seething no, it's xen not. xenophobic rage of like, oh, I hate China. I just look that's at it as system. like China is very upfront. We want to supplant the United States when, you know, officials are talking and they're talking uh, to their own people. It's we want to supplant the United States. There are a bunch of Chinese spies in the United States. This is all very documented. I'm sure there are American spies in China. Uh, the two countries have this adversarial relationship, but it's completely confounded by the business leaders yeah. and people of influence in the United States acting like it's all hunky dory and you know, come on down, uh, buy a buy an NBA team, whatever you know, get involved that, in this. That involved, makes absolutely no no sense. Get involved in that, and I don't. I'm not a very nationalist person, I don't think. I mean, I am in a functional way. I live here, right? I want the best yes. for this country because I live here. Um, but it, it it does seem to me a kind of corruption where it, it, it's funny because you mentioned the way it works over there, where the billionaires have to kowtow to the government. I don't know if that system is the best system, but I can't help but look at it sometimes and be a little bit jealous of it, just in the <laughs> sense that... They fear a god. They fear yes. something. Yes. As opposed yeah. to our billionaires where it's just they don't really <laughs> seem to fear anything. Nothing. And they don't Nothing. give a shit about our national interests. They look way past us. They're looking towards the next market. And mm -hmm. so there is this asymmetry that I think justifiably pisses people off that, you know, our major corporations will just be quivering in fear at offending China but they don't even and it's give just a fuck greed. About it's just pure That's, greed. Yes. Like if look, if James, if, if Russell Westbrook this year, instead of making 45 million made 32, I think the NBA would be fine. Like, I'm sorry. Like how much more money are you making that it's so imperative that you chase this dragon? And I'm not trying to be racial there. Like, I'm just saying, like, this shit is weird to me. Just yeah. the pure greed of it. Cool. It's like, well, the NFL is doing this in profits. We have to go out and find other profits. Profit, profit, profit. Cool. And it's like, now you're in business with the Chinese government in a way that is completely incongruent outside of the, oh, they have billions of people to sell shit to part of it, which I get. It's important business, commerce. I get it. Outside of that one thing, the shit don't fit with your business. It, and, and it totally corrupts the conversation in American media because so many major American media companies 
are into China in some respect. Yes. Obviously, Disney, ABC. You know, I don't even need to make that point. That's totally uh, obvious. Hello. NBC, uh, Comcast, they've got theme parks. They've got Universal Studios over there. You know, they're they're worried about that. They're selling media products there. They're selling movies, TVs, whatever. Jeff Bezos, one of the biggest retailers in in China, he's got he's got business interests in China. He runs the Washington Post. Uh, Bloomberg, major business concerns in China that he was open about and was trying to say that it's not really a dictatorship and uh, try to smooth that over. You know, Michael Bloomberg. So, you know, you don't have to have a lot of imagination for why. Let's say the issue of how coronavirus happened has not been foregrounded by our major media entities, it would seem, which I don't think that's a right-wing concern. That just seems to be one of the most important questions in the world, given the last two years. So it it is, I think, an unsustainable dynamic in a number of of respects. I think that eventually it's like standing on two uh, pieces of ice on a pond that are just floating in opposite directions, and the institutions that try to do it are going to encounter some tension. Now, the NBA is encountering tension for a very specific reason that I think has been uh, ignored, because it's very odd. And it's that they've devoted so much capital to trying to develop a Chinese superstar, because China, very nationalist country. I get Mm -hmm. it. I understand. Xi, he wants to promote nationalism, pride of country. Well, this is a weird thing, because they don't have any Chinese players in the NBA. They've tried... (laughs) (laughs) For like two decades, they built these academies. They've sunk hundreds of millions of dollars into it. It's a crazy outcome. It's got to be one of the greatest failures in human capital. You've got, uh, I think you've got two NBA players from Japan. You've got an NBA player from Joel Embiid and and, um, Pascal Siakam are both from Cameroon. Yeah. Yeah, you've You've got superstars coming out of countries in the Balkans that have fewer people than I don't know the the, the, the area I live in certainly. than Rhode Island yeah. <laughs> this is not what was expected I yeah. don't know why they're incapable of doing it but it's created a circumstance where it gives them way less leverage over China because Xi I think looks at the situation and goes NBA could take it or leave it. We don't have any, you know, we don't have Yao Ming. You know, you guys, you guys thought we were going to get the next Yao Ming. We were hyped for that. That would have been great for our people to watch a guy like that. But it's actually not even a lack of superstars. It's nobody. Nobody. And so long as it's nobody and there's an absence of superstars, that dynamic, I just don't think can sustain. It's just not a natural fit going forward. Yeah, and, and again, for the NBA, like, bro, just, just figure out somewhere. I get, like, it's so tantalizing to be like, man, the eyeballs and the, 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 the ad revenue and the sponsorship. And, oh, my God, it's just going to be, we're going to be so rich. Like, I get I get it. I, I, I get I get it. But it doesn't make any fucking sense. As far as, like, the geopolitical implications, like, because the people at the levers of power are so beholden to the business interest, that's why I don't think... Going to war with China is going to war with ourselves. Yeah. It, it's it's exactly. literally a civil war. Like, that's, how a lot so, of, that's how a lot of wars go, man. Like both sides lose, unfortunately. Like <laughs> we're so inch like yep. intimately interwoven at every single part of our society. This damn laptop I'm talking to you from, up uh, like everything we do, my phone, my clothes, my sneakers, like everything we do is so interconnected with what they do. And the people who are who have the most interest in that continuing in the way that it is, because it's been so fucking profitable for them, they're not gonna let us actually fucking go to war with China. That like again, like we'd literally be going to war with ourselves. <laughs> I, I I would tend to agree, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's an economic cold war. Mm. Um, I do think eventually, eventually the populace and their preferences um, have an impact because yeah, the weirdest I would hope is, so. I don't think this is the issue, in my opinion, that has the biggest chasm between people of influence and ev- just regular people. 
uh, when they do polling on it, I think it's 75% of people right now have a negative opinion about mm -hmm. China. And, and we're not saying obviously Chinese people, we're talking about the government. I would hope that's the uh, what, what people in those surveys are communicating. But it, I think it's maybe even more than that now. This is bipartisan. And the NBA and other uh, corporations that get tethered to China, if you have more geopolitical standoffs, I think are going to take a lot of heat and there's going to be increased pressure because ultimately, yeah, we're interwoven. We're get out of China. Up. We're get not out of China. We were sold a bill of goods. You know, it was this message from the 90s that they're going to become a liberal democracy and it's going to benefit us. And I think <clears> yeah. around saying, well, we didn't get richer. They got more powerful. They're mm -hmm. demanding that uh gms get fired uh in the <laughs> nba and it seems like a credible threat i don't like this and they're right not to like it by the way you know and i heard that in the past the nba had sort of turned their noses at getting funding for teams from people like the emiratis i'm like uh excuse me how are they worse than the i don't well, understand this yeah it's so arbitrary. like how they do in european soccer i'm just like i don't know the qatari government yeah it's fucked up but like yeah is, it, how is china this like panacea i don't understand that shit. i i mean i think again it's they're, they're just tangled up in so many businesses that it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt as much as excommunicating uh russian billionaires or or, or something like yeah. that and so yeah it all seems very arbitrary but i think the dynamic behind it was because you said uh, you know if, if westbrook makes a little less money i think it's this embedded growth principle as they call it where yeah. you need to grow in the pie grow, grow, grow. And, mm -hmm. and so i call it the undecided whale dynamic where institutions they take for granted the core customer because they really feel so much pressure to return value to shareholders and so it all becomes about the undecided whale that they could perhaps capture and i think china has represented that for the nba and we see those those business dynamics uh play out because you know like a lot of people pay a lot of money uh, not a lot of people but a few people pay a lot of money for these franchises and that money isn't necessarily correlated with the profit that those franchises are mm -hmm. returning today it's all based on just the idea of what it's going to be going forward. If you take that off the table and there's a sense of actually there's going to be a haircut, you know, you could see, I guess, inflation counteracts it. Now we're getting very far afield. But there's yeah. a reason, for instance, I don't think people are going, well, why isn't Robert Sarver at risk of losing the Phoenix Suns uh, when these allegations come forward in the way Donald Sterling was? Yeah, and I'll make just, him step down and he'll give it to a kid or something. Well, well, I think the reason is, you know, when that happened, the NBA was on top of the world in many respects when Donald Sterling happened. And I think they probably had already locked up that TV contract, even if the uh, reports were Honestly, yet. Ethan, man, fucking uh, one of the richest dudes in our country, probably one of the 10 richest guys in America came in and overpaid for the team, thereby... Yeah. skyrocketing the value of every single team in the league so if the owners were like damn this is kind of fucked up they pushing them out but at the same time it was like hey man this shit gonna up the value of my franchise by x amount of money yeah. fuck it let's do it kick them out well my my point i'm making is that if you establish the sense that it's not just donald sterling and he's not just this special case mm. but they mm. can take it away from you it becomes a less valuable asset you Absolutely. know i think it's an appeal to I can buy an NBA team. I can do anything. I can pass it down to my incompetent kid and he can pass it down to his incompetent kid. That's yeah. great. But if they open the door to, you know, we can take it away from you. And hey, a lot of these guys have skeletons in their closet. I, I think we can assume. I think I think there's a fear in the NBA of making the asset less valuable by punishing some of these guys. Okay, uh, last thing I want to get you out of here, uh, Kyrie take. Um, I know blue check. I like. I, I don't know, cause like I, I'm getting old, Ethan, and I'm getting washed up. Um, how I know this is just like you know the Devin Booker, and then it was Westbrook, and then it was this, and then it was KD, and it was suck my dick, and it was. I'm like, I like just as a question of decorum. I think NBA players should hold themselves to a higher standard than people who I have very low opinions of, which are potty mouth sports fans not all sports fans just people that want to go to an arena and say oh you know suck my dick your, your kid is a retard blah 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 type of shit <laughs> i have a lot i don't have a high opinion of those people um and so the idea that nba players would bring themselves to the level of those cats 
I've, I've just the, the washed old head in me is just like, not a good look, young fella. Not a good look. But however, I understand like you're a human being. You're not a monkey at a zoo. I get all of that. But like some of the pom pom waving for what Kyrie was doing, I don't know. I wasn't really feeling it. No. Um, but again, I want to hear your sort of. You I just know, think it's funny because it's almost a play in two acts. And I like the first act, but I don't like the second act. I like <laughs> the first act where he's just drilling shots on them. And he's mm -hmm. talking shit to the crowd and you're feeling a little bit Reggie Miller versus Spike Lee. And this is great yeah. drama. He hates them. They hate him. <laughs> this is, this is fun. Maybe he goes a little too far, you know, maybe he goes a little too far, but he's playing amazing basketball and I'm into it. And then the second act of the play is the press conference, the self pity, the, you know, I'm a person too. And the, da, 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 da. I almost makes me wondering, it almost makes me wonder if the NBA should review its policy of, you know, maybe not everybody has to do media. Maybe the rule has to be some people. <laughs> them. And yeah, the incentives that, are a problem. You could, you know, like getting out of jury duty, you can say something crazy. Yeah. So you can get out of jury duty. But I, I almost know, feel like I read, man, he every time he opens his mouth, it's just like, oh God, where is this going? What why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> we don't want to visit Meville, and he'll take us to Meville. Oh, and but but at the same time. He's just so impressive. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a just, brilliant. He's brilliant as a player, just, not as a not as a communicator, as a player, but as a player, as a, he's brilliant. As a player, but also as a guy where people say, "Hey, man, I think he's going to be out of the NBA. He's going to retire." Or something like people people have been saying that about him for the past few years, but he just shows up. You have no idea how much work he put in or didn't put in, and he just hits the ground running with maybe the greatest skill set in the history of the league. So. He's just undeniable, but at the same time, I just think that, like you're saying, it's just not the most appealing message when players are broadcasting a unhappiness and b a narcissistic unhappiness. That's just not yeah. great for the sport. And unfortunately, I think the players don't care if it's great for the sport or not. Michael Jordan they had don't. a sense of I'm an ambassador for the league, and as grows yep. the league, mm -hmm. you know, it's good for the goose. I think now guys are making enough money. The league is established enough and it's really hard to make them feel like they have some sort of piece of this. They, yeah. They don't, they don't feel like they need to leave the league a better place than they found it for the generation coming up behind them. Absolutely. Not. I would love for somebody to pose that question to Kyrie. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they just want to sell broadcast.com at the right time. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Ethan Strauss, please subscribe to his Substack. It's fantastic. I don't just say that because he's my personal friend. The guy is just fucking brilliant at what he does. Um, make sure you check out all our other Count the Dings offerings. Patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. And what else you got for them? Anything oh, you want to tell the people? I got some stuff. I think I might be even complimenting the NBA because I think it's been good recently. And I might be looking at an MLB situation. There will be content on House of Strauss. Check it out. Subscribe today. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the time, Ethan. Good time, man.